Today's reading is Psalm 142. A masculine of David, when he was in the cave, a prayer. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. If you don't know me, my name is Andrew Kwapong. I am training towards ordination as well as working for London City Mission, a Christian charity serving in a variety of communities across London. Today we are looking at Psalm 142. If you are unfamiliar with what Psalms are, it might be helpful to think of them as sacred songs. Growing up, I had a few albums that were pretty sacred to me. The first of which was The Miseducation of Lauren Hill by the original Queen Bee herself, Lauren Hill. The whole album was, I mean, perfect. I remember staying up late at night, tuning into Choice FM and taping songs that really spoke to me, mostly over tapes that I thought my mum wouldn't miss. She hardly played them anyway. Sorry, mum. Nothing like a bit of public confession. I would listen to some of her tapes then and begin to discover some great music like Jimmy Cliff's Many Rivers to Cross or Curtis Mayfield's Keep On Keeping On. Artists whose music were born out of struggle and suffering. But where they depart, in a sense, from the sacred songs found in the Psalms is the depths of recognition of God and how God meets with people collectively or individually within those circumstances. Now, no doubt that the faith of some of these artists influenced and moulded some of their music, but their intention was not to bring us as individuals or people into a position in front of God, even if they did it unintentionally, because that is what the Psalms were made to do. They were made to bring people in front of God. Within the Bible, there are many types of these sacred songs, such as songs of praise or lament or prayers or wisdom songs and many, many combinations. They were used in a variety of ways, um, songs for religious festivals and rituals, communally as well as individually again, within both the Christian and Jewish traditions. Psalm 142 is known as a mashkil, a psalm of contemplation or instruction, a wisdom psalm. This song was written by or on behalf of King David, there are many songs in the Psalms um, attributed to him because he was a musician and 
through the Psalms, as with music today, we offered not facts, but what was going on, the struggle and the tensions of the day, collectively and individually, just in the same way good music reflects the issues we struggle with today, such as through hip hop and grime, folk and country music. The Psalms does this whilst tying in the relationship we have with God. There was a, a British R&B and soul artist called Lyndon David Hall, who died young at the age of 31 in 2006 from Hodgkin lymphoma. One of his earliest songs uh, was called Where Is God? Uh, the lyrics go, where is God when you need him? Why is he so hard to find? He may not come when you call him, but he's always on time. And I, in the same way, I sort of wonder what was going on in his life that caused him to write a song like that. And so let's look at the Psalm 142 and, and wonder what was going on in King David's life that caused him to write a song like that. What wisdom does it want to want the people of God to contemplate on at the time? What wisdom can it encourage us to contemplate for us today? And what hope does it offer for the future? And with these questions in mind, let's delve into this psalm. You know, firstly, a bit of context. This was written some time after, but reflecting on the time David was holed up in a cave in hiding from King Saul, who wanted to kill him. Because Saul had recognised that David was loved by the people more than he was. And the anointed one whom God wanted to make king. Yes, very Games of Thrones and Lord of the Rings-esque. In 1 Samuel 22, it paints the facts of what happened, quite matter-of-factly, actually. It goes, David left Gath, escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Very matter of fact. But in the psalm, in this psalm, he reveals what was really going on for him. Look at me with, look with me at verse one. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. And then also in verse two, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. Then on to verse 5. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. And then to verse 6. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. This was an encouragement that the desire to, to cry out to the Lord at all times is necessary, but comes into sharper focus at times of need. It is a recognition of our changing state of being and God's unchanging state of being. And because God is eternally unchanging, the Lord is a safe place to turn to, echoed in verse five. I cry out to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Also that crying out to God is not letting God know what God already knows, but an honest revelation of where we are. And David here is in trouble. 
more than what is revealed in 1 Samuel 22. And this is his trouble. In verse 3, his spirit grows faint within him. People are laying traps for him. In verse 4, look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. David is feeling and experiencing physical and emotional isolation. As well as no one having his back, as in with the phrase, no one is at my right hand, no right hand man. No one is even concerned for him or cares for his life. He has no place of safety. It is not like being isolated in the place where he could feel safe, but he is in a place of physical and emotional uncertainty. So the only place of certainty he could turn to is to God, who in verse 5 is a place of not just emotional refuge, but physical. You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. And again in verse 6, listen to my cry for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Now, David recognises God as not just one who soothes him spiritually, but one who rescues him from actual trouble. And just remember that this was written sometime after the event. It is a, written as a testimony of what happened, that God did indeed rescue him and that David can see this now. In the concluding verses, we see the hope that it is and has been realised, for now King David, with his pursuers gone, he expresses what happened after God had rescued him. In verse 7, set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. That after his time of enforced isolation in a place of uncertainty, when God rescued him, his cries and pleading to the Lord turns to praising God. Not only that, that there was a restoring from God being, from David being isolated with no one at his right side or no one caring for his life, to having, in verse 7, the righteous gathering about him because of God's goodness to him. This sacred song takes God's people at the time, not just through the history of what happened, but through the experience so that there are so when there are times of despair that they know God is present and constant in their in the presence of their inconsistency how can that help us today and we are not just feeling spiritually isolated but physically isolated we feel no one is at our right side or no one's got our back we have no place of safety to turn to when our spirit grows faint within us. This psalm reminds us what we can do in those moments, that we could honestly and openly cry out to God who is unchanging and is our refuge, our help when in trouble, our rescuer, not just spiritually but physically, that Christ has rescued us from death, not just in the land of the living, but through to eternity.
at Life Group on, on Tuesday going through the Discipleship Explored course that is working through the book of Philippians, we were reflecting upon the fact that when God gives something, he gives it eternally. The joy that God gives is not temporary but eternal and will show itself even in the darkest of times and places. The life that God gives is not just for here but for eternity. So when God rescues, it is an eternal rescue. Through Christ, through the cross, we could be eternally rescued. That even in times of despair, of crying out, we could praise God's name. Now let's for a moment turn the lens from us to others around us. What does God want us to see and hear in our society today? What about those who are no strangers to isolation and being abandoned? Who we as a nation are failing to care about, to advocate for and be present with? Let's now bring them to mind. How does this psalm speak about their reality? We see in 1 Samuel 22 that people did indeed gather around him, mainly those who were feeling the same. It says, all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. That when we are going through troubles, we are able to understand those who are also going through troubles around us. In the same way, Christ understands the troubles that we go through as he has already walked that path. The impact of walking with others through their troubles in a Christ-like way helps us together have hope. And what is this hope? That Christ is both our refuge, the one we turn to for safety, and our eternal rescuer from death. Our refuge and our rescuer. Now, this knowledge is not just for David and his people, but for us and our children and generations to come, that Christ is our refuge and rescuer. So I encourage you this week to contemplate upon this song, this sacred song. Let it lead you into a place where you are vulnerable before God. Allow its wisdom to help you see, uh, help you see God at work in your life. Allow it to help you see and hear others around you. And may this psalm lead you into praising God in the same way King David and generations after praised God because of the knowledge of the hope it carries of Christ being both our refuge and rescuer. And hopefully soon, as in verse 7, we will be able to gather around each other because of God's goodness. What a sacred song it is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are both our refuge and rescuer. That even through, even though things are uncertain around us, you give us certain hope. That when our spirit grows faint within us, you strengthen us with hope found in Christ Jesus. Help us praise you because of your goodness to us in times of trouble and despair. In Jesus' name, Amen.